Good morning. This is Joel Diebel. He's uh, one of our board members and leaders in the church. And on a normal weekly basis, when there's not 500 things going on, Brian usually prays for me or whoever's preaching and uh, Brad, but I made it up here and got lost. So I said, Joel, will you pray over me for this message this morning? He said he would. So, Father, thank you for this morning, for everyone gathered here. God, we ask that as uh, Scott teaches us today, Lord, that the words that come from his mouth would be from you, and that for um, everyone here today, that these words would pierce their hearts, that we would learn more about you, that we would leave here today feeling encouraged, hopeful, and ready to take on the challenges uh, before us under the strength of Jesus Christ. So thank you for this morning. Bless us all in your name. Amen. Um, when Emma was up here talking about Colorado in our own backyard as, as a mission field, um, made me remember some statistics that I read at one time that Colorado is the third most unchurched state out of the 50 states, just behind Washington and Oregon. And this will blow your mind. 93% of the Denver metropolitan area does not participate in any kind of local church. Uh, no going to church, no participation. So it's 7% of the population is some, somewhere fellowshipping this morning or sometime during the week. So those are staggering numbers to realize how much you know, work is ahead of us as a church. And so as we come together with our time, talent, and treasure, man, there's more to be done. There's more to be done. So... Um, how many have ever got the, the spam call where some, you pick up your phone from an unknown number? You make that mistake, right? You pick up the phone and it says, is this Joe? No, this isn't Joe, unless your name is Joe. But is this Joe? No, it's not. Um, but, and then they'll say, well, well, maybe you can help me. And they try to weave you into this scam call of buy some thing or this or that or whatever. And... I hate those calls. I, I used to get them seven, eight times a day. Anybody feel my pain in, my, in that? Okay, I, I, Janelle, being smart and me not so smart, she took my smartphone and she did this setting where if somebody's not in my contacts, then it, it just goes straight to voicemail. And I don't even know that the call happened. I only people that are in my contacts. So... If somebody really wants to get a hold of me and I don't have their number, leave me a message. But these spam people, they never leave any messages. And I just see silenced call or whatever. I'm like, it's, it's been one of the most freeing things that's happened to me. <laughs> I'm telling you. Now, we need to learn and discern the voice of Jesus in our life. Because how many know there's a lot of spam calls, so to speak, in this world, the ways of this world and the evil one are always trying to spam call us and to, to get into our minds and into our lives. And we need to learn how to answer the call of Jesus. How do we learn to discern his voice in a very noisy world, in a very noisy life? As we were worshiping, I was thinking about when Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, that that's an actual command to be filled with the Spirit. And he, he gives a list 
after that on how we can be filled with the Spirit by giving thanks, by singing and hymns and songs and spiritual songs. And, and this can't just be a weekly basis. If you're feeling dry, if you're feeling just kind of in a rut, Jesus gave us His Spirit to be with us 24-7 that we have access to and to engage with the Holy Spirit on a, on a daily basis. So Jesus called people to follow Him. And as we're going to see in the passage that is in John chapter 1 today, we're going to see how He gave the, these calls to these people, not just His disciples, but to a few other people as well. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the first three are called the synoptic gospels because they really kind of tend to overlap in a lot of their content and, and stories and, and all of that stuff. John was the, the latest written book that we have in the New Testament. It was like 95 years, 95 AD. So John's seeing the world already starting to forget the gospel and starting to, to go drift a little bit. And he says, I'm going to go right down as an eyewitness to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus so that our people don't perish, but begin to understand a deeper understanding about Jesus. So before I get into the passage, there, when you think of the calling of the disciples of the 12, that was a distinct calling that Jesus gave these 12 men to be with him for three years in his ministry. What we're going to read today is more of Jesus's call to people, some of them are his disciples, to believe in him, to trust in him. And I think it really applies to you and I today and what, how, how the calling, the physical calling that he did to follow him applies to us today practically in our lives as well. To follow Jesus is what we call the word discipleship. We call, discipleship to be a disciple is to be a learner. The word rabbi means teacher. So Jesus is our rabbi, and we learn how to live life from him. Every one of us has learned or is learning how to live life from somebody, whether it's media, whether it's your, your favorite actor, actress, or whoever. I want to learn how to live life from Jesus. Like, he's the creator and sustainer of all things. He knows what life is about. And he came and showed us in his life, and then he taught us in that. Last week, um, I kind of fumbled a little bit on something I was trying to explain to you. Every year, I go, I find a word for the year. A few of us do, have been doing this for years now. I find, what's a word that's going to define this year for me? And last year, the word was rest. And that didn't go so well. Uh, it was more like stress than rest as, as, as my word. And as I started thinking about it, why didn't I have this inner sense of rest most of the time? Because I think I try to find rest in the wrong places sometimes, whether it's a relaxing or a vacation or the golf course or whatever, those are all good things. But if I'm not internally resting, then I got to ask, why am I, why am I not at rest? So as I prayed about my word for this year, it was discipleship. And literally, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone this year. I'm going to find rest in, in following Jesus and, and learning to follow him more and to see life from his perspective and let that flow out of our ministry and to, to one another in that. But Jesus said in Matthew 11, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, 
and you'll find rest. So how do you find rest? You follow Jesus. You put into practice what he says to do. He goes on to say, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble at heart, and you'll find rest. That's what I'm going after this year. Who's with me? Let's do this together. So, John chapter 1, verse 35 through 51, we're going to see five characters. And they had a call from Jesus that they had to answer. And how they answer this call from Jesus applies to you and I big time. The first one is John the Baptist, the first Baptist. Ooh. Yeah, I need the, need the whatever you call that. Um, John's calling was unique. He was prophesied about in the Old Testament. Kristen did a great job teaching about John the Baptist and his ministry and role a few weeks ago. And John had this call to set the stage for Jesus. If you remember, he's in the wilderness, in the Jordan River, um, you know, baptizing people for repentance. He was at calling the Jewish people to come back into covenant relationship with their God. The Jordan River is the very place where the, the Israelites went, set foot into the promised land, if you remember, in, in Joshua. And so John goes back to the place where this covenant relationship is, is going to be played out, and he says, let's go back to the beginning. Let's start over. So he was set, preparing people's hearts for the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. And it says this, again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God. He's got his two disciples, and they follow Jesus. I think this is humble and profound about John. John knew his call wasn't to make his own disciples. His call was to not elevate his ministry, but to pass it on to Jesus. He talks about that a few verses before, that he, you know, he's here to set the stage for Jesus. So what was his call? He had a call to answer the call to point people to Jesus. And you know what? That call is still on each one of us who follow Christ, is to point other people to Jesus. And you might think to yourself, well, Scott, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not an extrovert. I, that scares me to, to, to talk about Jesus with other people. Well, I think it's a calling for all of us to answer. And I think there's three simple ways that each one of us can point people to Jesus. The first one is with your words. The apostle Peter says to the church, he said, be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have to anyone who asks, but do it with gentleness and respect. So he's saying, be prepared. How do you and I be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have? Well, I'll start with the question. Who were you? What was life like before you met Jesus? Before you, you started following Jesus? I know I was a mess the first 25 years of my life. And then when I, I met Jesus, I can explain what, what life was like. Like I have one of those kind of testimonies. Many in this room, you don't have that testimony. You've walked with Jesus all the days of your life. Yeah, sure. With some bumps and bruises along the way. But, and I would tell you this, you think you don't have a testimony. You have the best testimony. 
to not say that I had to go to the bottom of the barrel to, to discover you know, that I need a Savior, that I need a Lord. So I think you have the best testimony. And when you share that with somebody and you say, hey, I, I've been following Jesus ever since I can remember all my life. That's pop. There's power in that testimony. Never be ashamed of that. But for me, I can tell you the day that I be, became a, a follower of Jesus and how things changed instantly. So who were you before Jesus? And then what has he meant to you in your life? How has he been faithful to you? When you give that reason for the hope that you have, that's powerful to people. Another way we can point people to Jesus is through our actions. Jesus said, the world will know that you follow me if you love one another. Love is the mark of a follower of Jesus. And so love is not a feeling, it's, it's an action word. It's something that we do more than what we feel. And then the power of invitation. The power of invitation. We're going to see how that plays out in our passage. But invite people to come to the community here at Novation. Invite them to the exercise class, ladies. Invite to the men's thing. If somebody's not going to come to a Sunday morning, maybe they'll come to your home group or February Fiesta or whatever it is. Invite people to be part of what God's already done in your life and doing in others. And we'll watch ourselves. We'll grow and help other people find their purpose in Jesus. Next set of characters that we run into in this passage is Andrew and John. Andrew and John. As we're going to see, Andrew is Simon Peter's brother, and this John is John who penned this gospel and became a, a, a disciple of Jesus as well. But before I get into this, John's preaching, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, caused Andrew and John to follow after Jesus. Preaching of the word and the teaching of the word is a huge means in which God opens people's hearts and mind to the, to the gospel and to who they are in Jesus and truth and all the things that we need. Um, our good friend Bob Cooley, who used to be part of uh, Novation, they moved to Florida, but he told me a story one time that he was like, he had this friend that was open to going to church. And that he wasn't a believer, but he was open to, to going to church. So he invites him, and the guy says yes, and they meet up at the church, and it happened to be Missions Sunday at the church. He thought if he could get him under a, a, a message that's practical for him and hear the gospel, this would be the day that he becomes a believer. And it was Mission Sunday, so it was all about you know going on the mission field and highlighting missionaries, and he thought, Hello, Lord. Like, you knew he was going to be here. What's going on? And after the service, the guy told him, he said, I think I found Jesus today. I think I understand what this is about. And God really felt like he was speaking directly to me. And Bob's going, okay. Like, you know, I guess God can use whatever he wants. You know, he spoke through a donkey in the Old Testament. He can use whatever means he's speaking through a donkey right now, too. But he... He can do whatever he wants to win people's hearts over to him. So it says this in verse 38, And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, 
for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. What was the calling here that you and I can also emulate? And and it's to answer the call to be with Jesus. Answer the call to be with Jesus. You can put that slide up there. Answer the call to be with Jesus. Jesus has an invitation for all of us to be with him, to experience him. He's always calling us in that for us to know his presence. If you and I don't sit and be still and engage with him because in reminding ourselves that it's a relationship, we're going to get stale. We're going to be grouchy. We're going to not walk in peace. But when you take time every day to be with Jesus, to be in the presence of our heavenly father through the spirit, man, that's where the burdens of life the shackles of those burdens break off and that we walk in, in peace. It's so important to remember the, the day of Pentecost. If you're not familiar with the Bible, uh, in Acts chapter 2, Jesus had, had died on the cross, rose from the dead, spent 40 days showing himself resurrected from the dead. And then 10 days later, after he ascended to the Father, he pours out the Holy Spirit on the early church. Because when Jesus walked the earth... He, he limited himself to time and space. He's a person just like you and I. You know, I wish I could zoom over to Hawaii and hold my granddaughter right now in a heartbeat, but I'd have to go through a lot to get there. I'm limited. Jesus limited himself, part of the, the incarnation. But when he poured out his spirit, he poured out his very presence with us 24-7. You have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The temple is not a, no longer a place that we have to go to to experience God's presence. You are his temple, and he resides in you. Um, one of our people in our church, she was telling me the other day about her, her granddaughter, that her granddaughter had kind of gone just astray a little bit, wandered off in her faith, but in, it recently has started coming back, and she told her, her grandmother that, Um, The other day she went out on her back porch and just lifted her hands to Jesus and said, I need your peace. She said instantly she felt the peace of the Lord upon her. When you experience that, you're going to want more. The more you experience of his presence and his power, the the more you desire that. So I'd just give you a few little tips like take time to pray. Take time to meditate on scripture. These are the things that Jesus did as well as, as we see him and his, his father. Take time to try to listen and discern his voice and his leading. Because it's a still small voice. He doesn't shout it out. I wish he would sometimes. Some of us need a shout. But he speaks in a still small voice. Arrange your life around the same priorities and practices of Jesus. His priority was the will of his father. His practices and his priority was people and and helping broken people find real life and truth. And his practices were the very things that I just talked about. He would get alone, but he also hung out with his crew and he meditated on scripture. And man, we see that, emulate that, and you experience being with Jesus. Third character is Peter. Peter, Andrew, who is Peter's brother, says Andrew found first his 
his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which translated means Peter. Literally, the word Peter means rock. Dwayne Johnson has nothing on the original rock. Peter is the original rock because he literally changed his name to rock. That's interesting. I, I, I remember a story that I read about a, a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers in the, the mid-80s, mid to late 80s, named Oral Hershiser. And I guess, you know, he was very boyish looking, like not intimidating at all as a pitcher. And his manager, the first day of spring training, nicknamed him Bulldog. He said, he said, I'm not calling you that. I'm calling you Bulldog. And he wanted to instill confidence in him as he began his, his big league career. Well, I think that's kind of what Jesus is doing here with Peter. He's saying, Peter, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a new identity. And that's literally what we have to do as well, is we have to answer the call to a new identity. Answer the call to a new identity. We try to find our identity in being cool, popular, rich, famous, successful, whatever. And when you're finding your identity, that's, that's some shaky ground to find your identity in. I think a huge problem in our world in this us and them mentality is people find their identity in their race or their sexuality or their success or their 401k or whatever. Jesus wants you and I to find our identity in him. Our sense of self-worth doesn't come from the ways of this world. He invites us to find our identity in who we are in him. Some of us, I bet all of us, have had some false messages spoken to us from the time we're little. And some of those false messages are, you're worthless, or I don't matter, or I'm not loved, or I'm, I'm broken. And if you hear those messages at all, and you're entertaining them, that, that is not coming from God. Those messages do not come from Jesus. It's coming from the evil one or the ways of this world. Jesus says this, you were worth dying for. Jesus says this, you matter so much to me, that's why I came to rescue you. You may, may not feel love. Jesus says, for God so loved you, he gave his one and only son for you. And he might say this to us, if we feel broken, he'll say this, yeah, you're broken, but my truth, my person will repair you and restore you and give you true hope and true life. So let's answer that call to find our identity in him. And then Philip, he's our next character. The next day, this is about Jesus, he purposed to go into Galilee and he found Philip, and Jesus said to him, follow me. Think about this. Jesus went on a day's walk to go into to Galilee to find this guy named Philip and say, follow me. He didn't have a brothers or somebody pointing him to Jesus. Jesus went and found him, which I find amazing. And I might be reading into this a little bit, but 
Maybe Philip was one of those kind of guys that just wasn't very motivated, right? And Jesus knew that about him. It's easy to look at somebody who's motivated like Peter or who's outgoing type person that, hey, God will use a guy like Peter. He's not going to use a guy like me. Maybe Philip wanted to just stay home and watch TV a little too much, you know? He's just binge Netflix, play, play video games all day or something, and just veg out. And Jesus was calling him to find a real purpose. I know for me, I chased every avenue to find purpose, and I was unmotivated. The only thing that motivated me before I, turned, before I became a follower of Jesus was this game called baseball. <laughs> that was my sole motivation in life. And a party hardy as well, too. So not, not, nothing to build your life on. And it wasn't until I found Jesus found me and revealed himself to me that all the purposelessness that I had experienced in trying to find purpose in, in stuff and things and pipe dreams, that's when I found real purpose. So we got to answer the call like Philip to find real purpose purpose. And you may feel purposeless, purposeless right now. But listen, Jesus gives you a true and lasting purpose. Knowing why you exist is one of the most freeing things you can ever experience. When you wake up and realize, I was created by Jesus to enjoy his presence and to share his love with others, Anybody can do that regardless of what you do for a living or how successful or whatever. It frees us. And I know um, young people in this room, students, listen, don't start saying to yourself, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to be when I'm older? Pray and say, Lord, what do you want to do with my God-given life? What do you want me to do with the time you have for me on this earth? All of us should pray that. Lord, what do you want to do with my life? He's called us to participate with him. We get to participate in, in, in his growing of his kingdom by, by what we do and finding our purpose in him. I remember years ago reading about a survey of people 95 years and, and older. And they were asked the question, if... if uh, if you had your life to live over again, what would you do different? And it was resounding, came to three main things, and it was they would have taken more risks in life. Rather than sit on the sidelines, they would have risked more. And the second thing was they would have contemplated life more. Slow down. Enjoy the moment. Be present in the moment. And then the last one was is that they would do something that would outlive their life. And while we're all living and breathing, let's do those things because we find our purpose in Jesus, participating with him. The last one is Nathaniel. Nathaniel. He did not end up being one of the 12, but he certainly encountered Jesus. It says, now Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He was skeptical. Let me pause there for a second. 
Um, Nazareth was a town at the time of Jesus that was pretty filled with a lot of debauchery because the Romans had built roads and that was like a big uh, commerce kind of area. And so they kind of soiled it you know, morally, so to speak. And so can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's like if we said, can anything good come out of Oakland? Can anything good come out of Cleveland? Sorry if you're from those cities, but... Um, and then it goes on, it's, and it says, uh, Philip said to him after he was skeptical, he said, well, come and see, bro. Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and he said of, of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Another quick time out. He says, you're an Israelite indeed. You're from the lineage of Jacob. Remember, God changed Jacob's name to Israel. Jacob's name meant deceiver. And he's saying, yeah, you're from the lineage of, of Jacob the deceiver, but there's no guile or deceit in you. Like, that's pretty cool what Jesus is encouraging him when he first meets him. He says, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I love the, the mini-series, The Chosen. I haven't seen, we haven't watched uh, season three just yet, but I remember when this scene is played out and... Um, you know, in The Chosen, they kind of give a backstory that's fictional. They don't violate scripture or anything, but they kind of give some humanity to the, to the story itself and makes it a little more personal with the people that hung out with Jesus or encountered Jesus. And then this scene, they had showed Nathaniel, who was like an architect, and he had built a, a building that collapsed and killed people. And so he's under the tree weeping about what had happened. And, he, and Philip finds him and brings him to Jesus. And Jesus says, I saw you, you know, under the fig tree, etc. It's a very touching moment. And uh, he says, will you follow me? And Nathaniel says, yes. And Jesus, I love the humor of the chosen. And Jesus says, good, when can you start? And it was funny to me, it <laughs> made me laugh. So what's going on here with Nathaniel and for you and I? Let's answer the call to continue in faith and trust. Faith and trust is not a one-time exchange. It's a daily, moment-by-moment day by day, year by year. God is calling us as, as his followers to move from I believe to I follow. I believe and I follow. Because I believe, I want to follow Jesus. I want him to be in the driver's seat of my life. I want to put into practice what he teaches, what he says. I know I'm going to fail all the time at it, but I'm going to get back up and continue to seek and continue in faith and trust. Not just I go to church, and I believe, but man, I follow Jesus. I participate with him. When he said, Jesus said he saw him under the tree, um, that was common for Jewish men to spend an hour a day under a tree, worshiping, meditating on scripture, praying uh, to God. G Jesus had seen his devotion to God. And he says, listen, I want you to continue that as you follow me, as you trust me and understand who I am. And that's for us too. Again, this is a daily grind. Following Jesus, it's not easy. 
It's not. It's not easy to put into practice the things that he says like forgiving one another. When you've been really wronged by somebody, love your enemies? What? <laughs> like, that's a tough command. But he told us this is how it, things happen in his kingdom and what he wants for his followers. Jesus' commission, I'm going to um, kind of recap what I, I've already taught through, and I want you to think about where is Jesus calling you, what these callings that he's given to you, where do you need to answer? Because he commissioned his disciples to go into all of the world and teach them, baptize them in, in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, make disciples of all nations. And those 12 guys rocked the world. You and I are a byproduct today of their ministry. Think about that. You want to talk about lasting impact. So his calling for us to point people to him, it's the same for us. His calling for us to be with him, same for us. His calling to find our identity in him. If you do not know who you are in Christ and how he sees you and all that you have, spiritually speaking, because of him, I've said this before, go to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, and read chapter 1. It will blow your mind if you stop and meditate on who we are in Jesus and because of him and what we have access to. He's calling us to find a real purpose. If you feel purposeless today, begin to find your purpose in aligning your will to his will in your life to what he wants, how to live out himself through your life. You don't have to be a pastor or a missionary or anything like that to feel, to know your purpose in Jesus. It doesn't matter. Our vocations and, and all that, that's not our identity or our purpose. We live out those things in the power of Jesus and then continue to trust, continue to walk in faith. Will you stand with me? Lord, there are many perspectives, there are many seasons of, of life in this room and watching. There are many people in, the, in their walk with you are, are questioning whether they should, to they're just starting their walk, to they've been walking for a long time. I pray regardless of where we are at, you would open our spiritual eyes to your truth. As we open our hearts to you and our minds to you, flood and fill us with your truth. Flood and fill us with your perspective and the hope that we have. Flood and fill us with your love that we know that we are loved deeply and that we matter. We matter to you, Lord. Strengthen us. Strengthen the relationships that are represented in this room. Strengthen the marriages, the families, parents and kids, and the friendships in you. Because, Lord, we know that our hope and purpose is found in you, and without you, we can do nothing. We choose today, Lord, to agree with you 
again and again that you are Lord, you are Savior, and that we want to walk with you. So help us, Lord. Lord, there's some in this room that are feeling guilt and shame over something that they've done. Would you help them to get their eyes off of their own guilt onto the cross and what you've done for them so that we can turn away from those things? Lord, free people from habits that they can't seem to shake. We love you. You're the best. Thank you for giving us life in Jesus' name. Amen.